Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and by RockAuto.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome everyone to MotorWeek podcast number 150. It's 150, uh, 150 big ones. Big ones. Big ones. I, you know, I must say... I don't know if we thought this would continue as long as it has. We're delighted to be with you again and around our MotorWeek Central headquarter table and studio <laughs> C today is writer-producer Brian Robinson. Feels like it's been at least 200. Uh, to be here. <laughs> it, it looks like it's been 200. Now, road test producer Ben Davis. Hi there, and sponsors, please. 150. Let's get on board here. That's it. That 150, and they're going strong. Assistant producer Greg Carlos. That is me. And our online content coordinator Patrick Lucas. Hello, John. And Patrick's also the producer for the yes, podcast. Yes, yes, yes. We yes. have lightning round. We have a viewer question. Rant and rave. See if anybody's got something that's uh, really gnawing at them. But let's uh, look at vehicles, uh, both uh, here now and uh, coming soon. Let's start off with the Paris Motor Show. Paris Motor Show is the uh, biannual show that basically is starts off the automotive uh, auto show season. Um, they did it this year. It was a good show, although there were a couple of no-shows, including uh, Ford, which I thought was uh, pretty amazing. Um, anything strike you about the coverage of the show that um, you think you want to share? I think Patrick or somebody else is more fit for that one. No, don't look at me. Yeah. I, wasn't there. I don't follow the I show. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of electrics. electric cars. Yeah, oh, Volkswagen boy. had a whole, uh, you know, uh, Laid out their future of what they uh, have for electric cars and Mercedes-Benz as well. So, uh, you know, while the German makers have kind of been laying back on the uh, EVs, they seem to be going uh, full steam ahead now. I, I thought there was less that would impact us here in the States immediately than mm-hmm. any show I can recall. But you're absolutely right, Brian. I mean, Volkswagen in the midst of all of its diesel problems is basically saying Peace we're going to walk away from diesels yeah. and we're going to embrace EVs. Good for them. They do a great job on EVs, I think. Yeah, so yeah the E-Golf was uh, pretty solid. It's probably one of the best EVs we yeah. ever had. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I thought it was – I thought that – all those EVs was surprising at first, but then that's kind of the direction that everyone's moving. And the auto show is a place to show wacky concepts, so why wacky. not wacky EV concepts? Let, let me throw this out, because most of the plug-in hybrids that have been shown in Europe and some of the ones here, like the Prius Prime, they're coming in with... A hybrid powertrain and a small battery that will handle about 14 to 20 miles of electric driving. This is in contrast to, say, something like the Volt, which has got closer to 50. Do you think that these hybrids with limited EV range are going to catch on here? How do you think the American market and appetite for mainstream EVs is shaping up? After all, we've got the Bolt coming on the market with 200-mile range. Any comments? I think the limited EV is fine. Every little bit helps. Uh, having spoken with some uh, German engineers on a Porsche, uh, he was kind of explaining it the way they look at it. Um, things are a little different in Europe, whereas uh, here in the U.S., we might have you might leave your house – from your neighborhood and just be in stop and go traffic the whole way to work. Uh, typically in uh, Europe and Germany, 
you're in your village or whatever, you leave your village, get on the Autobahn, streak on the Autobahn, then get off the Autobahn and drive a little bit from there to uh, your workplace. So they, they look at it as using EV power from the house to the Autobahn, strictly gas on the Autobahn when you're mm-hmm. running fairly efficiently. And then once you're off the Autobahn, you're back on EV power, um, keeping things cleaner in the cities and stuff like that. That's kind of how they look at it with the limited range. Well, also, I mean, the reason, one of the reasons they're doing that is because cities like Paris and, and some others are basically saying that they may ban gasoline-powered yeah, I think vehicles. they have already from, in some places, yeah. Well, it's diesels, too, yeah, uh, you know, during certain hours of the day and stuff like that. And on that, uh, I'm not, we're getting way off topic yeah. here, but <laughs> we had a 3-series plug-in, mm-hmm. and if you had a destination programmed in the NAV, it would determine based on your route right. when to use the battery when power. To use the ba- when, the battery yeah. power when you use the That's gas. Um, there were some other interesting concepts, uh, um, especially for Mercedes and BMW, looking far out into the future. Um, but by and large, I thought uh, Paris was pretty much an EV show as far as headlines. There was yeah. some high performance stuff. There's mm-hmm. some, some concepts. The like Hyundai had a, I think it was Hyundai. What, what's their uh, the end something the end yeah. something. whatever their end division will be of their like sports yeah. their end division yeah. Audi had some uh, pretty sweet looking stuff the Q5 didn't that come out no yes I think they were, yeah. yes so. yeah. yes yes the new the, the revised new Q5, the new Q5 yeah. was out I mean, and that will have an impact soon, here that will be a popular probably very popular vehicle speaking of something that in that realm and a competitor for that the Jaguar F-Pace Jag's uh, first SUV Seems to have made a very big imp- uh, impact on us around Motor Week. Uh, mm-hmm. Brian, why don't you start it oh, off? Wow, hey. uh, what, I think we've, we it seems like we talked about this already before. Well, yeah. let's talk about it again. <laughs> now we've Should, had it, we've no, had it in for it. testing. Yeah. yeah, we had talked about it earlier when it first came out. but I thought it was Patrick's extremely slide. impressive, uh, both driving it, um, <clears throat> Porsche-like and handling. Uh, interior materials were really nice, lots of room, and it's. I couldn't believe the price. I mean, yeah, we had it's uh, a bargain. Yeah, we had the S, you know, almost top, fully loaded, and I don't know, was it fifty something? Yeah, it was a value. And uh, yeah, I was expecting it to be you know sixty seventy. So uh, I thought it's great. It looks good. I've seen a lot of them on the road already. I think they're following uh, Volvo's, uh, you know, trying to get uh, re reintroduce some, introduce something different to their buyers and saying, okay, it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg yet. That's the real competition in my eyes, actually, is the XC90, mm-hmm. whereas uh, you got a little more luxury with the XC90, a little more comfort, where the Jag is de- – I mean, it's sporty. There's no it doubt about it. Terrific. It's, it's got a nice growl to it, and it handles – it carves hard when you want it to. So that's really the toss-up. How sporty do you want to be? How comfortable do you want to be? But for the money, they're both awesome. Yeah, have you driven the diesel, Greg? Did you? you want to I did drive the diesel because yeah. that's actually the base engine, right? Is the yeah, diesel. which is pretty shocking in yeah. America. Um, and that um, was—I think they announced that before the whole Volkswagen scandal. Yeah. So I, it would have been interesting to see had it happened before then if it would have made a difference. But um, no, the diesel's fine. Um, I don't think it's going to be as popular in America. I mean, I know it's the base car, but I think people. We'll just want to get that V6, the supercharged V6. Um, should you? I don't think you have to. It's torquey, um, really efficient. I didn't have any problems with it. It's You still get, I mean, it was a little bit loud that I remember. Outside of the car, inside is not so bad just because everybody's so good at sound deadening now. But, yeah, I mean, if, if you're worried about hopping into a diesel, you shouldn't be because it's 
That's very nice. Now we pointed out in the in our road test that um, you know this is not a rebadged uh, Land Rover or Range Rover. This is uh, you know a, a different platform. It's basically their XE car platform. However, having said that, we weren't that enamored with the interior of the XE, nope. and this is somewhat similar. Take different. Did we feel differently about the F-Pace? I would say the layout is exactly the same, but yeah. the materials are a huge step up over yeah. the XE. It couldn't be any less of a – I mean, the XE, it gives a lot of room for improvement to compare anything and with the XE. And this car was terrific, yeah, I absolutely. thought. The XE I, I, reminded me of a cab from like 20 years ago. Mm. <laughs> well, back, well, back to the diesel. Yeah, uh, I was recently at the Jag dealer, which is also a Land Rover dealer, and you can get the diesel you know, in the Range Rover now. And uh, he said he's selling every diesel that he can get. Really? Mm. Um, in, just in the Range Rover yeah. or in the F-Pace? Um, that was just strictly the Range Rover. But he expected the same thing to happen with the F-Pace. That's pretty shocking. Yeah. It's yeah. cool. Well, those buyers, I mean, they know a lot of torque for the money. And, and, let's, and now that we're starting to see other manufacturers between, besides Mercedes actually make diesels their entry-level yeah. engine, you know, wow, that, that's a big turn there. The, um, um, and they also offer, I think now, the best luxury warranty, right? So if you're worried about the whole mm-hmm. Jaguar reliability thing, thing. Yeah, thing, yeah, they actually do. They offer right now the best uh, limited warranty. So Motor Week is high on the F-Pace. Uh, oh, man. Another one that I think we're pretty high on You're is the, the Chevrolet Corvette Grand Sport. Who wants to give us a little Grand Sport history lesson? That was the grand tour of the Grand Sport. If Drake's got a lot of details on it as Sweet. far as what's yeah. in oh, it. Oh, I do. I gotta, I'll follow up with a. Uh, with a I mean, the Grand, the grand Sport name is, is, you know, really historic for Corvette owners, but this is, this is not the stripped down ready to go racing grand sport of old uh, really it's 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 basically well, everything but the motor from the yeah, yeah it's a twin it's exactly a tweener it's uh you, you look at a z51 and you think i want a little bit more than that but you look at a z06 and say well i want I a little really, bit less than yeah, that i don't want to pay the price and tax. that's exactly where the grand sport is and i think that's a perfect location the pricing's right it's a it's well worth the money the one we had did have the Z07 package, so you get all of the aero, you get the carbon ceramic brakes, which is a little bit weird if you're not going to be tracking the car. Um, but yeah, I mean, I drove it a little bit on the track. Uh, Brian could probably give you some some better points on that, but I was really impressed with how it handled itself. A ton of grip, the brakes are great. Um, wasn't crazy about the paint scheme or the 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 uh, the, the white. On, or I the guess red we'd all white. like to have seen the blue and white. Yeah, yeah I think so. Historic, but colors. it still looks good. And it's uh, as wide as the Z06. It has all the same features, just not quite not the supercharger, not the power. And it's still got a lot of motor. Yeah, I'm surprised it didn't have the purple and red. The C4 Grand Sport was kind mm-hmm. of purple and red. Mm-hmm. Um, aesthetically, on a daily driver uh, aspect. This is the first C7 Corvette that I felt comfortable in, and I'm not sure if it's because the seat bottom material was thinner, or I doubt that the seats set any lower in the vehicle, but it was the first one where I felt like my field of vision was where it should huh. be in others prior. Not, not too high. I felt like I was way too high and couldn't get comfortable, the, but this one fit visors. me like a glove for some reason. Hey, can we talk about Ooh. seats in the the new generation Corvette? Just a moment. Something really weird seems to have happened when when the the Z7 came out. I mean, the C7 came out. We pretty much applauded 
the C Comfort as a huge improvement over the C6. Now I'm starting to hear a lot of complaints about the seats. Is it just that they were better, but they still aren't great? Any comments? Well, I mean, there's so many different seats available. There's like the base, and then there's like two or three upgrades. So I'm not sure which we're comparing here. But well, it, the, it, we've been giving the we've been giving the impression that the seats are not very good. What are, so the what are we talking you're about? Are you hearing like durability complaints? Uh, it seems to be just comfort. Just uh, I've never had any real I, I haven't either. So maybe the base seat. If anything, the seat bottom is a little too shallow, like Chevy's mm-hmm. kind of notorious for sometimes. But these last couple of vets we've had, um, the Callaway vet and this one, have had the competition seat in it, which is a really nice seat. Very nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I never had a problem with the C6 seats. I thought I they were, I, I might have thought they were a little more comfortable than mm-hmm. C7 seats, honestly. A little more cush, a little more uh, daily use. Less uh, less competition, less performance. An- another point was I think this was our first automatic C7 that we've driven, yeah. right? The uh, eight-speed yeah, eight sure. automatic, yeah. which yeah. was crazy quick. It was, yeah. it was nice. Had it's no complaints about that yeah. at all. Yeah, Maybe that's why I was more comfortable. Because I wasn't working a clutch. <laughs> it working. could be. Yeah. wasn't working as hard. All right, Chevrolet Corvette Grand Sport. Seems to be uh, pretty uh, universal uh, that we uh, thought it was very impressive. Let's move on to our lightning round. Our panelists have two minutes to debate a trending automotive topic. When time's up, they're going to hear Patrick ring the bell. Ring. Ding, ding. With the release of this, another Chevy, uh, with the release of the Chevy Cruze hatch, there seems to be more hatchbacks for sale in the U.S. these days. Between the rise and the continued success of small crossovers, is the U.S. finally turning its attention to what the European markets have been offering for not just years but decades? Have we finally adopted the hatchback mania of Europe but on our own terms? Any, any thoughts of that? Is there really that many more available now? I mean, well, I guess the reason for this this topic is that, you know, we like to do things our way. So what did we do? We took the, the hatchback, which never caught on here from Europe. We squared it off. We raised it up. We threw an automatic all-wheel drive system on it. And now you can't get enough of them. It's really the same concept, basically. Well, yes, back no. to the Chevy and their advertising campaign. If you've seen the one with the cruise hatchback, they like hide. They just show the front end. They don't even show it's a hatchback. Right, but then they reveal it, and everyone's excited. Oh, it's a hatchback. It's great. <laughs> I've never <laughs> seen one of those. It's Business like, in the front party? Wow. Yeah. It's like they make, they're, they're so excited about it. Like, Remember the 626 Touring? But they also make a point of saying multiple times that has SUV-like room in it. Yeah. And that's the whole that's the whole deal convincing whole people thing. that you know hey we've been selling you hatchbacks all along we've just called them SUVs now you can just buy a, just a front wheel drive one and we'll call it a hatchback that's pretty much it I mean Honda yeah. basically is going to be doing the same thing with the Civic too yep. Yep. so uh, I'm not sure we need two minutes to talk about this thing, but I think that the answer is yes. Uh, you know, hatchbacks have found a home in America, be they square or slanted, and whether they be front or all-wheel drive. And frankly, it's probably about time. Bring it's back the Aztec. Yeah. Bro, oh my God, we just weren't ready for it. Yeah. Well, you know, that's right. That's, that's right. Bring out the Walter White edition from Breaking Bad. That'd be cool. <laughs> Great reference. Mm. All right, viewer question: Alethea. I think, hopefully, I got that right. Very sorry. I just noticed the incorrect transmission fluid was used in my car. We're all wondering, how did you The incorrect transmission fluid light came on. Yeah. I've traveled about 600 miles in two weeks. I'm panicking. Is this something to cause great concern? What should I do? Mm. 
Not sure who put the wrong fluid in, but obviously you need to take it back to them and let them take care of it. Now, here's the thing. Uh, used to be one or two transmission fluids out there pretty much fit everything. Now, they're very different. They don't. They need to do more than just drain it. They need to do a thorough cleaning of the transmission to get all of it out and then refill it with what the manufacturer recommends. And if you don't know what that is, open up the owner's manual and look. But uh, I wouldn't panic. But I wouldn't have the car towed, but I certainly wouldn't leave it in for much longer either. I know there's, um, I know a lot of uh, mom and pa shops, the machines they use can't get all the fluid out, too. A lot of the BG machines can, but... You need a thorough flush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And maybe you have to take it to a dealer or somebody with uh, the proper equipment. Because I know a lot of shops can only get, they can't get that last quart out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if you just drop the pan, you're only getting about half to two-thirds so so i hope that um, puts your mind at rest to the point but don't dilly with this don't say i'm going to get it done in a couple of months go get it done now take it back to the tech who put the wrong stuff in it and uh, give them a what's for and get them to to make things right what's for Mm-hmm. The what for what for yes. rant and raves anyone anything sticking in your uh crawl this week about anything automotive hmm. My goodness, are we all at peace with the world? No, nah, it's just seasonal uh, affective Always. disorder. We're all depressed. <laughs> You're depressed yeah. because the leaves are falling? Yeah. We should have stuff to rant about, though. I mean, yeah. I have a rant. It's kind of out there, but it'll, it'll fill the, yeah, fill the right. bill. Buying used cars on Craigslist and just dealing with general public when it comes to buying a used car and <laughs> just public. You mean people, people because everybody say, thinks your car is worth people. a lot more money than <laughs> the well, no, not necessarily that when people say good condition and clean and then yeah, you yeah. travel all the way to get to it and the thing's a wreck it's just filthy and the condition is not good just overall hey just tell i'm, I'm talking Honesty. to you on the phone yeah Save me a trip. I'm going to find out anyway. And who knows? Maybe I'm going to be a guy that gets super mad and puts you through the window of your car for lying to me and wasting all my time. <laughs> Which, for reference, he is that person. Yeah. <laughs> After working with him for several years. Do they not oh. know? I don't know. And here's where the rant starts to come. Or yeah. that's what they think is good condition. Exactly. That's even worse. There's too much, yeah, too much room for interpretation. Yeah. So what are you proposing? I propose I mean, there is no real people that don't honesty. Well, people that don't want to go to a dealership and buy a used car. But what about pictures? Do they when you've done this? Right. Have, have they had no pictures? Only there, a couple? I guess that should be a warning sign. Limited pictures. You yeah. know, maybe two, three, four. So yeah, nothing less than twelve pictures. Make Pic- sure they're all on there, real good. Make sure the car has tags on it. That's a a huge thing on Craigslist. Most of the cars try to block the tag out of the shot. Or they show the car blatantly not having tags on it. All that is is some guy that just went and bought it at a public auction yeah. a couple weeks ago. A curb stoner. Let's try to spin it off on you. Exactly. Yeah, hmm. yeah I think rough. checking the title is, a, is, is very important. Find out if the person that's selling it was the last name on the title. Yeah, that's hard to do. You'd have yeah. to demand the guy show you photo ID, really. Yeah. And, uh, and make sure – I've had this bite me a couple times. Make sure the VIN number on the title matches the VIN number on the car. Because even if it does – even if it's yeah, it most likely be the title that matches up with the car. But if the MVA wrote the title just by missing one number wrong, it's going to cause you a lot of trouble. Trying to straighten oh, it out, yeah. it's not going to be worth it. In general, I'm not sure. You know, buying a, buying a car, let's face it, over the internet is tough. I've sold a couple. Uh, I sold my old Volvo. I, th- I bet I put 25 photographs up. 
mm-hmm. you know, and uh, something very important. I had the car inspected in Maryland, even though I knew it was going to be sold elsewhere. But that turned out to be a huge bonus in selling it because people felt like, well, yeah. if you passed your inspection, it must be at least a, well, acceptable. Yeah, I'm going to look at know. one on Saturday. That was like one of the bigger things for me. Actually, it was, he doesn't have 12 pictures, but he has enough. He has like a between four and 12, mm-hmm. but he at least found the, the right spots of the car. I mean, called him up. That's the big thing, too, is you just got to make sure you talk to the guy. You got to, like, pass the ear test, see, does he seem legit? Is he, can he answer your questions right away? Will he answer your yeah, questions? Yeah, but he, he has that Maryland inspection, which he says was within 30 days, and that's a that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, that for those of deal. you that don't know, our in Maryland, we only have to get our cars inspected for things like body safety. panel rust <laughs> and safety when you buy and sell them. But it's a pretty strict uh, inspection compared to some states. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. generally speaking, if you pass that, the car is probably at least serviceable. For sure. For sure. Okay. They, they drill you heavy on front-end yeah. wear parts and all that they kind of stuff. They certainly are. Okay, that was a good one. I'm glad you brought it up, Ben. And that brings to a close our Motor Week podcast number 150. I want to thank everyone around the table today. Writer, producer, ben, Brian Robinson. Ben our Robinson. road test, Ben Robinson. Ben, ben Davis or Brian Davis, whatever your name is. Assistant producer, Greg Carlos. Patrick the Lucas. Uh, Patrick producer, the Lucas. Our <laughs> online content coordinator and producer. And audio engineer, the man that always makes sure that we sound much saner than we really are. Jim Bigwood, and our podcast creator, Bob Mixter. Thanks to you all out there who watch and listen to Motor Week and follow us on all the social media. We love you all, and believe me, we need to hear from you on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, and what we can do to to make Motor Week just better for you. What are we doing wrong? Uh, and what don't, are we doing actually, don't wrong? Don't answer. <laughs> don't answer. Yeah, no, no, we need to know. <laughs> Till next time, I'm John Davis for all of us at Motor Week. Thanks for being a part of Motor Week. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by TireRack.com and by RockAuto.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at motorweek.org. And watch Motor Week, television's longest-running automotive magazine series each week on your local PBS station.